Shri Vaishnav Guru Parampara Ki Jai Gaur Premanandi This doesn't work, huh? Better. Okay. Okay. So, good morning again, everyone. Any question this morning? Yeah. Um, I was just reading your book, and you wrote in one of the chapters that. Uh, uh, that cause of material world is simply like Bhagavan Joyce. Uh, but however, also you wrote in other chapter that uh, actually it was in the notes that Vishwanatha Chakravati, Srimad uh, Bhagavatam, is writing as well. The cause of the creation of the world is mercy to the Jivas. And you wrote after that, of course, that this is not contradicting itself. Uh, but for me, it's kind of a little bit difficult to understand, like when Bhagavan is having this fullness of joy, like how he can think about this mercy, but like it's hard for me to understand this. Of course, I read before that this is also a byproduct, uh, that Jivas and material world is like a byproduct of this movement of this mm. jo- moment of joy. Mm-hmm. So could you like, talk a little bit more about that? Więc czytałam w książce Guru Maharaja, że, Bhagava, że powodem stworzenia materialnego świata jest głównie Bhagavan Joyce, radość Bhagavana, ale też w innym miejscu Maharaj napisał, że w komentarzu Wiśmanata do Śmiech Bhagavatam napisał, że też innym powodem jest po prostu łaska dla dziw. I Wiem i Maharaj też tam napisał, że to się w ogóle nie zaprzecza, że to może te dwie rzeczy idą razem w tym samym momencie, ale się zapytałam, że nie jest dla mnie takie do końca jasne, że w tym momencie takiej radości, że może on myśleć o, tym, o tej łasce dla nas, że ta radość musi być aż tak wielka, że on nie może tego po prostu, tą, tą drugą rzecz jakby się na niej skupić. No i też w innym momencie Maharaj napisał w tej samej książce o tym, że jest to taki byprodukt. So it's about compassion and joy. Mercy and joy. Yes. Uh-huh. It's um, mentioned in Chaitanya Charitamrita that Narayan is uh, sporting in his uh, majestic leela of Vaikuntha where devotees are experiencing 
the different forms of mukti. Salokya, which means living on the same planet as God. Sharsti, to have like opulence, majesty like God. Uh, Sarupya, to have a form like God's. And Samipya, to have like personal service to God. These are four types of mukti in Vaikuntha. Sometimes Sayuja is also explained to be the core form of mukti that pervades all other four forms of mukti because it constitutes a sense of unity with Bhagwan. Baladev Vidyabhushan gives this kind of explanation of Sayuja in his uh, Govinda Bhasha. But this is somewhat of a departure from Chaitanya Charitamrita and other Gaudiya authors who speak in less flattering ways about Sayuja and identify it with merging into Brahman where there is no bhakti. So, at any rate, Narayan is surrounded by these muktas and there are different types within these four categories. For example, some persons have attained this one of these four types of mukti based on a desire to attain one of those types of mukti. Others have attained one of those types of mukti without particularly desiring to attain it, but rather to love Narayan. In the latter case, there's also some interest in that type of mukti, some desire for it, but it's not predominant. What's predominant is is, is prem. And in the other type of devotee, what's predominant is the desire to live on the same planet as God. Hmm? Um, That's thought to be kind of a lesser category. So this is just an example. We've got four different types of mukti and vaikuntha. Some people say five, as I explained. Within that, different kinds. And... Then there is Dasyarasa, Shantarasa. Hmm? So different situations there. You might think that we want to go to Goloka, so we want to live on the same planet as God. Right? 
But no, it's not the same. Hmm. To be with Krishna is, is not to want to live on the same planet as God. Hmm. To live on the same planet of God is like the desire of a person in a third world country to live in the United States under the illusion that the streets are paved with gold. <laughs> um, and, and there's a president, he lives in the White House. Yeah. Everybody's under his protection, everything's good. Something like that. He changes every now and then. <laughs> but uh, uh, So there's no voting in Vaikuntha, but, uh, but there's, a, there's, a, there's a king, Narayan, and living in his kingdom, everything's taken care of. So, this is called Salokya. That's very different than living, wanting to serve in the Braj. Hmm? To serve Krishna in Braj has nothing to do with Salokya or Sharsti. To have opulence, majesty, like, like, like God. Hmm? Krishna, of course, is human-like and Madhurya, hmm? and his Madhurya is, is prominent, not his not his majesty. Hmm? So, Sharsti uh, Sarupya, to have a form like God. Krishna's form is like like human. Hmm? His form is not like God. So. <laughs> To want to have a form like God, that's that means a different place than than uh, Vrindavan. You understand? Hmm? And Samipya to be the personal attendant of God, also, this is not the idea of Braj. So these type, types of mukti they pertain to Vaikuntha. Hmm? and the devotees of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they, they they don't desire them at all. Hmm? There's a kind of preem, as I said, where there's some desire for those. Hmm? That even that type of preem is uh, different from the preem of uh, the devotees in Vrindavan. So it's uh, different altogether, hmm? different species. But in Vaikuntha, Narayan presiding over all these muktas, in him, Krishna Das Kaviraj explains, the desire to bestow mukti arises. Bhagavan is the full uh, perfect object of love, so he desires to taste different kinds of love. So this, uh, to be compassionate is a kind of love. So Narayan has, despite the fact, Krishna says, that he's surrounded by all these devotees, or all muktas, everything's great. Hmm? Still he finds a desire to, to bestow mukti. And there's no one to bestow mukti on there. Everyone's already a mukta. Hmm? Right? So corresponding with the desire of Bhagavan Narayan, to bestow mukti, he is satya sankalpa. So whatever he desires happens. Hmm? Whatever we desire, it only happens if he 
allows it to happen. Hmm? For a moment we speak about free will. We have some freedom to will, but it doesn't necessarily mean that our will will happen. Hmm? A farmer may will or desire to grow corn, and so he puts the seeds on the field. But if it doesn't rain, there will be no corn. Rain is beyond his control, but rain he depends on rain. So we may desire something, and if 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 Bhagwan chooses to to sanction that, then it will happen. If not, it won't. Hmm? So when we say nothing moves without the will of God, hmm? that does not extinguish our will. It doesn't do away with the fact that we are a unit of will. Hmm? A unit of, we're an agent of action. We're a, uh, we have agency. Hmm? We're a doer. Hmm? So we say nothing moves without the will of God. So you mean you may have a desire, God may sanction it. It may happen. Hmm? But that doesn't mean God did it. You did it. He sanctioned it. Hmm? He's not to blame for what you desire and that he determines you deserve and thereby he, he sanctions. Hmm? So, at any rate, he desires to bestow mukti and so there's a world hmm? in need of mukti. And so the Narayan manifests as this uh, um, Mahavishnu, who has jurisdiction over Maya, the Paramatma, three forms of the Paramatma, Mahavishnu, Gabbadakshai Vishnu, Shirdakshai Vishnu. But the, in the in the Narayan in the form of Mahavishnu, this is uh, Sadashiva, hmm? Mahavishnu. He then becomes many. The one becomes many. Hmm? This many they are the Tatasta Shakti. Mahasankarshan, he is the shelter of the Tatasta Shakti. Mahavishnu is a particular manifestation of the Mahasankarshan. In Vaikuntha, Mahasankarshan manifests Tatasta Shakti, who are muktas. Nitya, nitya muktas, nitya, nitya siddhas of the Tatasta Shakti type. Hmm? As Mahavishnu, he manifests Tatasta Shakti of the of the conditioned type, hmm? not Siddhas, Nityabadhas. Hmm? So, 
when he, it, 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 the sutras seek to explain that God has no necessity, no necessity. He's completely full in himself. And so, therefore, it's sometimes said, he manifests the world just out of his fullness, out of his joy, with no, no, no purpose, nothing that he has to accomplish. Hmm? He's not, the implication is he's not lacking anything. Hmm? So, out of joy, the one becomes many. But the one, Mahavishnu, at the same time, originates in the desire to bestow mukti on the part of Narayan. But the desire to give and share one's fullness is also not a lacking. Hmm? Indeed, that is the very nature of Leela, it is the kind of celebration of the sharing of the joy of Bhagwan. Hmm? Those who lack have a necessity and accordingly they move to get what they need. But those who are full may also move, not out of a necessity, but out of the celebration of their fullness. The fullness, the joy has a necessity kind of of its own to celebrate itself, to share itself. Do you understand? So, compassion is not a, a, a lack on someone's part. Hmm? When out of, when Sukadev, when, when, when Sutta Goswami um, begins to speak, he offers his respect to to Sukadev, his teacher. He says, Karunayaha Purana Guyam. He spoke the secret of this Purana hmm, out of compassion. He was full hmm, in himself. He had nothing to gain from you. Hmm. Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur took exception to professional. Uh, Bhagavatam reciters who would make a living by reciting the Bhagavatam. Hmm? He made a diorama. The man was speaking the, the teaching the Bhagavatam and behind him was a thin uh, curtain that you, that you could see through and behind the curtain was his wife with a baby and and so <laughs> The, the the meaning of the diorama was what is the driving force behind his teaching and sharing the Bhagavatam is the needs of his family. Hmm? And this is very different from Sukadev Goswami who was naked. He had no need even for clothes is the, is the idea, is the teaching. You have to understand the Bhagavatam is a book of theology and philosophy. It's 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 uh, 
teaching, making points to us. So this is the point of the nakedness of Sukadev. He didn't have any want. Everybody could immediately understand when he walked into the assembly, oh, he has no, no desire. He has no personal interest. He's, he, therefore, he would be fair. He would not be compromised, bought and paid for by one party or another party. Hmm? So the speaker of the Bhagavatam should not be under anyone's control, hmm? not be purchased. Otherwise, the, the, the quality of the message may be compromised. It is said well, by, by Parikshit about Sukadev. Something similar as was said by, by Sutta Goswami earlier on at the beginning of the 10th canto we find this verse. Hmm. He had no personal desire. He was drinking the, the, the elixir of of the uh, topics about the Krishna. He was full in himself and this is was the overflow. Hmm? You understand? So, there's a fine distinction there. Hmm? There's kind of a oneness and difference between having a desire to be, to be compassionate and being full in oneself and having no desire and moving only out of joy. We, would in, we will include compassion within the circle of self-satisfaction. Hmm? It's not outside of the circle of self-satisfaction. So, this way I'm harmonizing the two. You understand? Hmm? Um, so, in, in this way, Mahavishnu, he becomes many. But the many are small, and in the face of material nature, they're situa- they, they, they become uh, troubled. Hmm? And so he avatars hmm? to remedy the situation. This is called the Shishti Lila. Hmm? He, he gives them bodies and uh, so, <laughs> so that they can do bhakti, really. Hmm? And he te- makes the teaching of bhakti available in the world and just like there's karma is has no beginning hmm? in the world so bhakti is always in the world hmm? also it may have a beginning in terms of coming into your life hmm? and once it does it will never leave and karma has no beginning coming into your life but that will end and never return hmm? do you understand these are the two forces in the world, force of bhakti and the force of karma. And there are some people moving under the force of karma, most people, and some people moving under the force of bhakti. Krishna speaks about them in the Gita when he says, Mahatmanas to Mamparta Daivim Prakritim Ashrita. Daivim Prakritim Ashrita. They are Ashrita, sheltered by the Daivim Prakritim, divine Prakriti. Divine Shakti. This means Bhakti. Swarup Shakti. The internal energy of Krishna. They're sheltered. What does it mean to be sheltered under the influence of Bhakti? 
Well, it, it's something similar to what it means to be under the shelter of the material nature. It's not much of a shelter, <laughs> but influenced by it. Under the influence of the internal energy, under the influence of the external energy. It means that, again, we are the Tatasta Shakti. We may be influenced by the Surup Shakti. We may be influenced by the Maya Shakti. But we ourselves always remain the Tatasta Shakti. As Krishna explains in the Gita, we are not subject to transformation internally. Just like in material nature, all the forms are subject to, 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 to change, right? To transformation, birth, growth, old age, death, these are transformations. So the self is not, the atma is not subject to such transformations. But what about internal transformation? Hmm? No, it remains as it is. But you have to understand its nature. Every human being that's born has a capacity to speak language. Am I right? Humans have the capacity to speak a language. Now, what language will you speak? Exactly. In, you, in other words, there are, there are German-speaking infants or German-Polish-speaking uh, infants, English-speaking infants, but they're, all infants have the capacity to speak a language and whatever association they're in, that will determine what language they'll speak. If they're in a Polish environment, they'll speak Polish. Hmm? If they're in the German environment, they'll speak German. Right? If there's an English environment, they'll speak English. So the jiva has some capacity within it. Hmm? And relative to its association, then uh, certain aspects of the jiva will be expressed. For example, the jiva has the capacity, we, we just talked about it, to will, to be a doer. Hmm? It has the capacity to be a knower of things. Hmm? Um, it has the capacity to be an enjoyer or a sufferer, to have qualitative experiences, like qualities of happiness or sadness. Hmm? But in order for the atma to exercise its will to be a taster or an enjoyer or sufferer, to be a knower. It requires an environment that presents the opportunity of things to know, things to do, and things to taste. So the material environment Material nature provides some, well, it's an environment, so there are things to do in relation to it. Hmm? There are things to taste, right? There are things to know. Hmm? All these, this knowing, tasting, and doing, these are like attributes of the self. They're... <laughs> 
They're like things at the Atma, about the Atma, that are uh, dependent, the Tatasta Shakti, on an environment. Just like to be a person. The jiva, in order to be a to be a person, requires an environment. If there's no, what makes you a person? Well, she likes this; she doesn't like that. Hmm. Right? That's basically our personality: what we like and what we don't like, and and how we relate to the environment. If we have no environment to relate to, what? How can we be a person? Hmm. Do you understand? So our personhood is dependent on two things. One thing, there needs to be an environment. Second thing, there is, has to be the capacity to be a person. Because there's an environment, but there's no person. And then there's an environment and personhood. So there's certain things in the jiva, in connection with the environment, that give rise to, to personhood. As we as we know it, hmm? what kind of person depends on the association, the nature of the environment, the choices that we're presented with, and so forth. Hmm? So, as this is true materially, so it's true spiritually. To be a spiritual person in Krishna Lila, and to speak the language of Braj. Hmm? Prem, samadhi bhasha, then you have to get the association of those kind of sadhus, that kind of environment, that kind of bhakti. Hmm? Then that kind of possibility is, is, it, it, it comes before you. Then you make an effort to take advantage of that. Hmm? And then you get a spiritual body. Now, sometimes we say that the liberated jiva is the spiritual body. And sometimes we say that the conditioned soul is not the body, the material body. But the material body is made up of maya shakti. What's the spiritual body made up of? The sarup shakti. What are we made up of? Tatasta shakti. So then someone could say, maybe I'm not my spiritual body. I'm not my material body. Hmm. <laughs> Why are we not the material body? We've lectured many times and you've heard many lectures that you're not the body. We could probably make a pretty good lecture that you are the body also. That's how confusing the teaching can be. Hmm? What is the material body? Well, yes, it's the material energy. But is it not you? Is it, not, is it different from your desires? Matter has no desire. You have desires in relation to matter. And the body is basically a manifestation of those desires. Within its limits of what the material energy is and does, it corresponds to our desires. 
our thoughts, our preoccupation, <laughs> that's all, <laughs> anyway, uh, our, our will, let's say. Hmm? So we have a corresponding body. So you are your body. Hmm? If I say, if I say, I wish I was a peacock, and, and I have a peacock body, then suddenly I think, hey, I don't think I'm not that body. After all, I kind of am, as a person, my desires. The problem is that if my desires are, are fleeting and temporary, hmm, then the personhood that goes with it is fleeting and temporary. Hmm, as the things that I want define me, hmm, and those things are temporary, then the I that arises out of my is also temporary, and so it's problematic. Hmm? So, in a way, we are the body, materially speaking, but in another way, we're not, in that we are sat, we're eternal, and the body's not. Desires in relation to, to matter, they, they change. Matter doesn't satisfy us. They're fleeting. Hmm? So, in that sense, we're not the body. And... The fact that it's of a different shakti than us, that's also true, but it's a functioning in relation to our desire. It's almost like it's like a tool for us. Hmm? So, <laughs> so we're, materially speaking, we're, we're, we're kind of closely identified with the body. You could make an argument that you are the body. Hmm? But for other reasons, we argue that you're that you're not the body, because you're not temporary, and everything in relation to material nature, all manifestations of the material nature are temporary and subject to transformation, and so forth. Hmm? Hmm? The transformations of knowing, and then not knowing, and knowing different things; these are all transformations. These go on in the subtle body, not in the atma itself. The atma is not subject to those transformations. The qualitative experiences are going on in the subtle body. Hmm? And we're witnessing, willing. Hmm? Now, if we come in the influence of bhakti, hmm? now we get a spiritual body, right? So are we that body? Hmm? That is the question. Hmm. So, yes and no. Of course. <laughs> of course. Uh, that body is constituted of sarup shakti. We are the tatasta shakti. Hmm. So, in that sense, we are not. But that sarup shakti is, is, is eternal. It's cognizant. And it's joyful. Hmm? It's Satchirananda. It's Sandini, Sambit, Ladini. This means like Satchirananda on stilts, on, 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 on steroids. Something like that. Hmm? It is the, the, the Satchirananda of Krishna's Swarup that manifests 
externally as Radha. Hmm. Breathe. That's important to breathe, right? How important is it? It's like more important than eating is to breathe. But we do it without thinking about it. Hmm? We don't listen to our breathing. Hmm? Sometimes, not so much now because it's a beehive of activity, but in years past when we were living in, in, in Audaria, only a couple of us, we had no temple, hmm? living in tents. It was so quiet at night, sometimes I would wake up to the sound of my breathing. <laughs> I think, what was that? <laughs> I really, oh, it's just my breathing. <laughs> but normally we don't, we don't listen to our breathing. It just goes on, hmm? such as the breath. Now, if you take your breath and you blow it into a reed, hmm? then it will make a sound. You know, you can make a something. Like a flute, I mean. Same breath, right? But now, oh, I hear it, and it causes all kinds of feelings inside of me, emotions, and it's just the same breath. So, Krishna's like this. His Satchitananda is like his breathing. But when he breathes into a flute, then it's like, that is Radha. Hmm? Do you understand? Hmm? Suddenly, it's, it's the same Satchitananda, but now we call it Sambit, Sandini, Sambit, Ladini. And it, it is the Srup Shakti Ananda. Krishna's Satchitananda, Swarupananda, the, the Ananda of his Swarup, but now this Ananda has taken a separate form from him hmm? in the form of his Shakti. So it's Srup Shakti Ananda. And now he has an object to repose his love in and obviously if you want to love, to have someone to love helps. Hmm? Krishna's Atmaram, he's self-satisfied, hmm? but his Srup Shakti manifests outside of him hmm? to, to increase his self-satisfaction. Hmm? It's said in modern science that objects have Energy and mass. Energy and mass. And this energy and mass is equally balanced. But when the physical object is in motion, then the energy somehow exceeds the mass. Do you understand? So Krishna... Is like a, a physical system, to use the example, uh, uh, and his his shakti 
and his mass are in balance. But when he's in motion, it means what's making Krishna move? Brahman is still. What is the difference between Brahman and Krishna? Krishna is moving. As I often say, Brahman is everywhere. How can it move? And still, the Supreme Brahman is moving. That is Krishna. What is the, under what, what is making him move? How can something that's everywhere move? You're already everywhere. So this is the power of Isvarup Shakti. So in movement, the Shakti, the balance changes and rather than being in balance, which makes it motionless, the Shakti Exceed, the, the energy exceeds the mass. Hmm? And now Brahman is moving. Hmm? So, Krishna is Swarupananda and Radha is Swarup Shaktiananda. Hmm? This is, like I said, Satchitananda on steroids. Hmm? It's Krishna's own inner Shakti. So he's not going outside of himself. He's Atmaram, self-satisfied. But the exploration of himself, so to speak, hmm? whatever that causes the one to become two eternally, hmm? and the one becomes two, Krishna becomes Radha and Krishna, and the two try to become one, they don't try to become one like Krishna was before the two. Hmm? But the two try to become one in love. Hmm? This is a different thing. And out of that, a third thing comes. That is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? Because the union, the loving union of Radha and Krishna is problematic. The more they become one in love, what happens is, as Ramananda Roy explains in his poem, Radha starts to think that she's Krishna. Krishna starts to think that he's Radha. And again, there's two. <laughs> so, problem. So, the fullness of this union of Radha and Krishna, the solution to the problem, that is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He is Radha and Krishna combined hmm? that is the perfection of their desire for unifying in love hmm? dynamic third entity hmm? how full then is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu how full is his Leela hmm? it is a solution to the to the to the shortcoming of Krishna Leela, where the two desire to become one and it's a problem. Hmm? This is a very beautiful <laughs> story. Hmm? So, what is the power then of that Swarup Shakti hmm? of Bhagavan? We are covered by Maya Shakti. We are little sat, a little chit, a little ananda, but we don't have enough power on our own to dispel the shadow of Maya. But the Sarup Shakti, 
Satchitananda on steroids has the power to overwhelm Krishna. We don't even have the power to overwhelm and push aside Maya. But Radha has the power to overwhelm Krishna. And indeed, Krishna is the absolute overwhelmed by his Shakti, his, his, his Swarup Shakti. That's who Krishna is. Hmm? So, if this Swarup Shakti comes to us, if we come under the shelter of the Swarup Shakti, then we will have the power to dispel Maya and the power to overwhelm Krishna. Hmm? And so, through the Guru Parampara, the Srup Shakti comes to us. That is, in the form of Bhakti. Hmm? We come under the shelter of Bhakti. So what happens when we come under the shelter of Bhakti? We get, we get Bhakti desire. We had material desire. Now we get desire for Bhakti. We get a desire of Bhakti according to our association. Hmm? We have the capacity to speak a language According to the association, that's the language we will speak. We have the capacity to love. If we get the association of those who love Bhagawan hmm, in a particular way and, and worship him accordingly, then we will start to follow that. We will worship in the same way. Hmm? Their impression, the impressions of their love, hmm, their bhava will come on our, our chitta. Hmm? And then we will start to have qualitative experiences of bhakti in a purified chitta, hmm. a purified subtle body. This, this bhava will come on and, and animate the, the subtle body hmm. that is the maya shakti. This maya shakti in a subtle form, psychic matter, has the capacity to reflect consciousness. That's why we have, that's, and, and as a result of that, we have an emotional life. I mean, that is our life, our emotions, right? It's happening in the psychic body. Feelings are happening in the mind, right? Hmm? What is giving this matter that has no feeling, the capacity to have some feeling? That is the influence of consciousness. When consciousness touches the subtle body, the subtle body, which is matter also, but psychic matter, not physical matter, it has a capacity to reflect that consciousness. And thus, it takes on a quasi-subjective nature and has subjective qualitative experiences and is a doer and a knower in a way that physical matter is not. We should know from this that our entire, from the point of view of Vedanta, our entire emotional life, which is going on in the subtle body, is a result of that subtle matter being touched by consciousness. Therefore, if we're a little intelligent, we'll think consciousness must have an emotional life. When it touches matter in its psychic form, there's emotional life. 
So we shouldn't think that consciousness has is devoid of emotional life, like the like Shankar thinks, hmm? like the Mayavadins think. Oh, hmm? it's full of emotional life. That that we call lila, prem. Hmm? It has that consciousness has that that capacity, and we are a unit of of consciousness. We have that capacity. So when this when this emotional life of Bhagwan comes into our life, that's what's happening when we get bhakti. Bhakti is the is the very emotional life of Krishna. It comes to us in a certain form, right? It's all about glorifying Krishna, hearing, chanting. That's what bhakti does. All that bhakti does is is fulfill the desires of Krishna. Find newer and newer ways to satisfy Krishna. That's what bhakti does. So bhakti comes into our life. That's his emotional life coming into, and, and it starts to ride on the chitta. It doesn't become matter, but it influences the matter, the psychic matter. And we start to have qualitative experiences of uh, spiritual emotions. Hmm? And and then we get a spiritual body with a spiritual chitta, buddhi, manas, hmm? a hunkar, identification hmm? with a spiritual body like we had with a material body. Hmm? But here the chitta, the hunkar, so it's, it's all made up of swarup shakti. But the Swarup Shakti, like us, the Tatasta Shakti, is Sat, Chit, Ananda. The material energy in a material body is Asat, Achit, Nirananda. That way, the material body is different from us in a way that the spiritual body is one with us. Do you understand? It's also Sat, Chit, Ananda. I'm a certain form of Satchitananda called Tatasta Shakti. It's another f- expression of Satchitananda called Swarup Shakti. So there is a difference, but the difference is, 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 is much um, less, let us say, than the difference between ourselves as Tatasta Shakti and the Maya Shakti. Hmm? And also... Because love has a shape. Hmm? The love that we develop through association and subsequent practice hmm? takes a shape. Just like I said, we are a material body because it is the vehicle that corresponds with our desires. When we have a desire to love Krishna... Hmm? in a particular way, coming from sadhusanga and then our practice and it matures and so forth, it manifests as a body. It has a shape. You understand? That love has a shape. Uh, What is the meaning of art without the canvas, without the pen, without the artist? Art is a feeling. It's a feeling. 
So then you want to express it, you need the cannabis. If you have some feeling, you want to share, you want to write it, you need the book, you need the pen, the paper. Hmm? So, uh, so love has a form, shape, otherwise it has no meaning. Hmm? It's not, it's abstract. So the spiritual body is the form of the devotee's love. So how can you say it's different from the devotee? Hmm? It's one in that sense, even though it's constituted of a different shakti than, than the atma, which is tatasta shakti. The body is srup shakti. Hmm? It's one in this sense. And the tatasta shakti doesn't undergo any transformation. All of its knowing, its qualitative experiences are all taking place in the subtle body of the sarup, uh, constituted of sarup shakti. It's a, tri- a tri- it's a tributive kind of knowledge and experience and and, and so forth. It's a little complex, but uh, um, and so when we say that you get a spiritual body and so forth, it doesn't mean that the jiva undergoes any kind of vikar, transform internal transformation. Hmm? What about the fact that in, in, in the spiritual world everything is eternal. How can there be something new? A new cowherd boy shows up. A new gopi shows up. Where, who are you? Where do you come from? Hmm? How do we resolve that? I mentioned this the other day. It's worth repeating. Sarup Shakti is... It's said in Srimad Bhagavatam in the second canto, I think seventh chapter. I forget the verse number. But it said... Krishna does not know the limits of his yoga maya. He doesn't know the limits of his own yoga maya. This sounds problematic because Krishna is supposed to be omniscient, but the answer, a nice answer, is given by the Shruti in the the personified Vedas later in the Bhagavatam hmm? because they start glorifying Krishna. And and, and 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 they say, how can we know you? You don't even know yourself completely. Hmm? And Krishna says, well, then I guess I'm not omniscient. And they say, what does it mean as far as your knowing goes if you don't know about a rabbit with a horn? Huh? <laughs> well, rabbits don't have horns, right? <laughs> it reminds me of a joke, but um, you know why cows have bells? Do you know why cows wear bells? Because their horns don't work. Cows have horns, they don't work. But rabbits don't have horns. Hmm? In other words, there is no such thing as a rabbit with a horn. So if I don't know about it, it doesn't mean that I'm not omniscient. Hmm? Because there's no such thing to begin with. So the Shrutis, they're very smart and very clever. They say, 
No. We say that you don't know your limits. Then you mean I'm not omniscient? No. You don't have any limits. And your, your Swarup Shakti, your Yoga Maya, is that which is always manifesting ever fresh, newer and newer ways to please you. That's what it does. And there's no limits to that. That's the nature of, the, of, of, of Golok, of the Paravyom. That's what happens there. So when you say, Nitya Siddha Krishna Prem, that the, the, these, this, all these bhavas, sakirasa, hmm, madhuryarasa, batsayarasa, they're eternal. Hmm? They're eternal. They're eternally existing. And they're eternally showing themselves in newer and newer ways. Hmm? So you will be one of the ways in which the sarup shakti shows itself. Hmm? So when a new cowherd boy shows up, it's not a big deal. Hmm? That's the, Oh, she's doing it again. Something like that. It, it, it kind of goes. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, so it's the nature of the of of the realm, so to speak. Hmm? So we want to go from here to there, and the compassion of Narayan, hmm? the desire for compassion, is both our genesis in one sense in terms of our material life and the end of our material life all at once. Hmm? And it so happens that this desire to bestow mukti on the part of Narayan, there are shades of this within Krishna also. Therefore we find in Chaitanya Charitamrita, Krishna says, people worship me as God and it does nothing for me. Hmm? When my friends wrestle me to the ground and say, and some people said you're God. (laughs) I like that very much. Hmm? When my mother chastises me, don't! Put that down. I'll tie you up, you thief. That's more pleasing than the Vedas. Chanting the Vedas. And when my lover doesn't allow me to come into the into her company, hmm? oh, then uh, that drives me mad. Hmm? This is me. Hmm? And other people, they're waving things at me. <laughs> making noise. So I have no, I- no interest in that. Hmm? Hmm. He says, as far as the world goes, this is a problem. Nobody's interested in me. Hmm? So, (laughs) what I'm really about. So, he has a desire to show them what he's about. To give them the opportunity to know him as he is. Uh, And Krishna Leela manifests in the world. Hmm? This is described in Chaitanya Charitamrita. So, Vishnu makes the world, so to speak. Of course, none of this has any beginning, but you have to talk about it with the limits of our language and so forth. So, the world has no beginning. Narayan's compassion has no beginning. There's no beginning to Mahavishnu. There's no beginning to our, our karma. 
there's an end to it. There's no beginning to bhakti, but it will begin in our life and there will be no end to it. Hmm? Karma will come to an end and so forth. So and so and and Krishna desires to enter the world created by Mahavishnu hmm, and do a very special thing to showcase his leela hmm, that people might become interested in what he's what really makes him tick what drives him what what he's all about hmm. and he. He, he, he seems to feel that there's, there's a cool thing about the material world. It's called earth, earthly places, Bumandal. Hmm? Because it's like it has a semblance, some relationship to me and my world. Hmm? Vishnu's, that's the coolest thing he did in the whole, you know, Shristi Leela. He made this Bumandala where people fall in love. Hmm? In heaven, they don't. It's not quite it's the same. It's uh, you know, it's not. Hmm? There aren't all the problems and ups and downs and and so forth. In the same way, hmm? and the hell, of course, is, that's a problem. So, <laughs> so on Earth, this is kind of like my place, hmm? Vishnu. So, so let me go there to the Earthlings, and. Perform my my human like Leela. Hmm? In fact, I think it's a better environment hmm? than my Golok environment because I'm I'm the son of Mother Yasoda, but I was never born. So my poor mother, she loves me like a mother, but she never had the opportunity to have me born. Now, how many how many women here have a son? Raise your hand. Hmm? Was that a powerful experience when you woke up and there he was? Wow. What is motherhood without that? Hmm? So Krishna's thinking, she's the mother, but she had no, exper- had no experience like this. Still, she loves me more than any other mother. Loves their son. That I should give her this experience. There, people actually take birth. I can take birth. Hmm? They say that, I've used this, used this example before, if you make a movie and you film it on location, that was, in, I don't know how it is now, but it used to be, that was a, a special feature. Hmm? If you make mountains and sunsets in Hollywood out of cardboard and so forth, that's one thing. But if you go to the, to the Polish mountains and make the movie right there, and so forth, and it has some extra added um, uh, enhancement. Hmm? So the material world, if God is, has a human-like form to express his, the humanness of his human-like Leela in a human society, it will be enhanced, facilitated. That's why sometimes it is said, Actually, the, go, the Goloka Leela comes out of the Boma Leela. Hmm? If one is more full than the other, then the other must come out of it. Hmm? So, it's a very geocentric perspective. Hmm? <laughs> Gaudiya Vaishnavism. <laughs>
uh, it sees that, that uh, the, the rasa moving, Krishna rasa moving around the earth. Hmm? And rasa is what's making the world go round. Hmm? <laughs> so Krishna comes and he takes birth as Mother Yasoda's son. Hmm? And he performs his leelas. And, uh, and, and in this way, he is desiring to showcase his leela that some people can see what he's really all about and give them the opportunity to join him. However, in performing his human-like leela on earth, he runs into the problem. It becomes so perfect, the leela, hmm, that in the context of the, of the earthly leela, he sees the measure of Radha's love in a way that he hadn't seen it before. Hmm? And facilitated this love exchange as it is by, by the world. And so he desires to taste it. Hmm? And he can't taste it because he's the object of love, she's the personification of the love, and so forth. And so, another Leela is created, right? That is called the Gore Leela. Hmm? So, the point is this. Krishna sh- showcased his Leela, and he wanted to invite people within it, but he got thrown off balance in the middle of his Leela. And his ability to distribute it and teach it became limited. Hmm? He was trying to teach it. He left Vrindavan to go to Mathura and Dwarka. And he spoke in Hastinapur, uh, in in Kurukshetra, towards the end of his leela. He's making a last-ditch effort to explain to Arjun, everything about his Leela in Bhagavad Gita. Hmm? It's a hard Leela to understand, so he puts it in Upanishadic context. Hmm? But if you look at it carefully, you see he's trying to teach about the Braj Leela hmm? and contain himself, because in the Braj Leela he really can't teach. He's lost. So he has to kind of come out of it to teach about it. And how do you teach love? What can you say if your son says, Mommy, what is love? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, you know. And then when, when your son suddenly falls in love, it's like, whoa, then he understands. And he, and he can't say anything about it. Hmm? <laughs> so how, Krishna's got this problem. He, he wants to teach what is love for him? How can he teach it? So he kind of tries to draw. He has to step outside of it a little bit. Try to talk about. Let me draw on the Upanishads. That's the most profound sounds in the world. Hmm? He tries to teach about it. He tells Arjun, "Surrender, become my devotee." Hmm? And Sri Ramar said, "Sarva Dharman Mamekam Sharanam Raja." Give up everything. Give up all this other religion. Give up his uh, 
people worship me religiously to get things from me. Peaceful people take sannyas. They take sannyas. They give up everything hmm, to get eternal life from me. Huh. Nobody wants me. But I say, to, what I'm saying to you to do is you should give yourself to me. Come to me. Braj hmm. means to, to go so to, or to come. Come to me. But it also means by sound, when we hear a word, the most common meaning that comes is the foremost meaning. So when Krishna said Braj as a verb, he thought of the land of Braj. And now he could not teach anymore. Hmm. End of Bhagavad Gita, the end of Krishna Leela. Hmm. Problem. Hmm. So, as Prabhupada said, he said, surrender me, but he didn't show how. So, in Gaur Leela, hmm, the esoteric problem of trying to understand Radha's love for him is resolved, and his initial purpose for tasting love is fully is fulfilled and his secondary purpose for showcasing it and giving others an opportunity to participate in it and teaching about it is fulfilled through Gorlila because in Gorlila Krishna becomes the Acharya the Bhakta and teaches by his example and in Gorlila of course we also find Arjun Mahaprabhu said that Raman Roy, he's Pandava Arjun. Some people said, Kavi Karnapur said, some people say that Raman Roy is Arjuniya, uh, Arjun. Uh, Arjun, the cow, the the the, the, Prius, the, the, the Priyanarma Sakha of Vrindavan. Hmm? Mahabrabhu said he is Pandava Arjun. Some people say he's Vishaka Gopi. Hmm? Some people say he's Arjuniya Gopi. Means in the Purana. If you study all these things, then you know you will know who is Ramana Roy. Hmm? Hmm. Arjuna's the story, of course, is that Ramana Roy uh, Arjun went to Vrindavan with Krishna, and Krishna turned him into a gopi for a short period of time, and he had a gopi experience. Then he changed him back into Arjun. That's Arjuniya. Hmm? Hmm. Um, so that's that. How how Ramananda Roy is that? The, then uh, then uh, Kavikarnapur says he must be all these things because learned people have said this. But he says Mahaprabhu is primary. He said he is Arjun, Pandava Arjun. So m- the conclusion of Kavikarnapur is he's part. Roy is is partially Arjun and partially. The Arjuna of Braj. He's a combination of both. He's a Priyanarma Sakha and he is uh, the Pandava Arjuna, part, partly. Hmm? As far as Vishaka goes, he just says, somebody else says that, and we've got to accept that too. Hmm? So, anyway.
it's complicated, but uh, he, in other words, he's neither of them. Hmm? He's partially this one, partially that one. But the part about the Arjun Pandava is this, that what makes the Mahabharat meaningful? Who can say? You know Mahabharat? What makes it really meaningful? Bhagavad Gita. If you take Bhagavad Gita out of Mahabharata, you never get out of the material world. You never develop love for Krishna. You might be attracted to the Pandava's love, but how to get what it's about and everything, you'll never understand it. That's taught in Bhagavad Gita. So what is the Bhagavad Gita of the Chaitanya Charitamrita? What is Bhagavad Gita? It's a teaching of what is a, what is a goal and how to attain it. Hmm? So the, the Ramananda Samvad, the conversation between Ramananda Roy and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, that is the Bhagavad Gita of the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Hmm? There the sadhya, the goal, and the sadhana is described. And he goes through the different sadhanas. Could it be Varnashram? Could it be Gyanmar? Uh, 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 Gyan mixed with Bhakti. This, this, could it be this, this, this? this? Hmm? What is the highest goal? And what is the means to attain it? This is what Bhagavad Gita is about. This is what Ramananda Samvad is about. But in Ramananda Samvad, what's happening? In Gita, Arjuna is asking questions. And Krishna is giving the answers. In Chaitanya Charitamrita and Ramananda Sampad, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is asking the questions and he's looking to see if Arjun understood the answers hmm? in the previous Leela and he understood them very well. Hmm? Ramananda Roy is speaking very nicely, hmm? very nicely about the highest ideal of the Braj Leela. Hmm? So, <laughs> so we are fortunate to have the opportunity to take advantage of Gorlila and the wealth of, that has been given to us by our acharyas, like, for example, Chaitanya Charitamrita. My recent book, Sacred Preface, is available here um, in English, um, is a commentary on the Mangalacharan, 14 verses that are the preface, auspicious invocation and preface to the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Hmm? So you should get a copy and uh, and read it. Soon it will be translated into Polish, right? Very soon. <laughs> but um, but this uh, dispensation of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, so you have to understand it. Vishnu made the world to give you mukti. Hmm? Krishna said, that's a pretty cool world you made, especially the earth part. Hmm? It's, it's kind of like my Goloka. I, it will facilitate my Leela. I want to come there and, and, and share, showcase my Leela for others and so forth. Hmm? This is a special event. The avatari, the source of avatars, has become, become an avatar himself. Hmm? And as we explained, this results in the Gaur-lila. Hmm? And Gaur-lila, within the Shristi-lila of Mahavishnu, makes for a very special opportunity for us. The opportunity Krishna wanted to afford us is given to us actually in Gaur-lila, not in Krishna-lila. It's given in Gaur-lila, the extension of Krishna-lila. 
hmm? the encore of of of, the, of Krishna Lila. Hmm? In other words, Vishnu wanted to give mukti, and by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's intervention, all this Lila, we can get the Prem, and not the Prem that has some interest in, in the mukti, living on the same planet as God, hmm? having the same form like God, hmm? nothing like that, hmm? but the Prem of Braj. So this opportunity is very special. Hmm? It's not inherent in every jiva. You can be sure of that. Hmm? No. It's an opportunity presented by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. It's a blessing. It's a gift. Hmm? He gave it in the context of tasting it himself. It is his own bhakti. Bhakti Sriyam. Unato Ujhvala. It reaches so high to the highest point of Madurasa. Hmm? So, that's happy. That's happy. It's uh, joyful and compassionate at the same time, right? It's joyful and compassionate at the same time. That's another subject, right? The compassion of God. <laughs> you want to go into that? That's maybe for another discussion. That's, that's part of this whole thing. This, you see, how can... Anyway, yeah. So, Simon Mahaprabhu, yeah. 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 what's the time? Mm. Anything else? Yeah. It is true that uh, it takes long, longer time on, the, on this path of Raghunga Bhakti, the Vaiti Bhakti, to attain the goal. It's said that progress in Raganuga Bhakti is much quicker than Vaidhi Bhakti. But Eligibility for Raghunuga Bhakti is more rare than the Bhava Bhakti of Vaidhi Bhakti. So, to get eligibility for Rag Bhakti, that's not so easy. Hmm? If you get eligibility characterized by taste, then obviously it should be very easy. Because if your practice is driven by taste, Rather than, I should do it because it's the right thing to do. I'd better do it, because if I don't do it, something bad will happen to me, as Scripture says. Hmm? That type of motivation is not as powerful as taste. Let me give you an example. A mother takes care of her son, baby. Right? And so does a babysitter. Right? The babysitter takes care of the baby and the mother takes care of the baby. What's the difference? For one, it's a job. Hmm? Right? For the other one, for the babysitter, it is the job. For the mother, it is a labor of love. Hmm? 
it's effortless. So her mothering is without thought. It's natural. It's driven by taste. And the babysitter is like, quiet, I'm watching the TV. Are there any potato chips in the refrigerator? <laughs> okay. Do a good job. But, hmm? Same thing. Feed the baby, put the baby to sleep, change the diaper. Same thing. Hmm? You understand? But the motivation is different. Hmm? It's easy to be a mother compared to being a babysitter. It's hard to be a babysitter comparatively to being a mother. Hmm? So Raghunuga Bhakti is like the mother. And Vaidhi Bhakti is like the babysitter. This is the driving force. So therefore Raghunuga Bhakti is easier. Hmm? And progress will be faster. Because if I'm doing it out of taste rather than because I should do it. Vaidhi Bhakti means you should do it because the scripture says this is God, you should worship him. And Vaidhi Bhakti said, and the scripture says, if you don't do it, it will be bad for you. Hmm? So, this is Vaidhi Bhakti. There's reason for doing it. Hmm? It's not just the heart. The head is involved. I should do it. If I don't do it, it's a problem. If I do do it, that'll be good for me. Hmm? So, the, the motivation is, is not as strong. It's not as powerful. But Rag Bhakti, it's very powerful. So therefore, Rag Bhakti is faster. But to get the taste, hmm, which is the eligibility for Rag Bhakti, the attraction, that's not so easy, is it? Hmm? What is the taste like? It's just like this. I give you the same example. You have a child. How you feel about your child? When you feel like that about Krishna, that is Krishna Bhakti. That is, that is Raga Bhakti. Hmm? You want to know? That is what. Let's see, you have some distance to go. <laughs> so, what to do? How do you get Raga Bhakti? It is a sadhana, it's a practice. How do you get the taste? Hmm? Well, if you, have the, if you have the good fortune to associate with people who have that kind of liking, that kind of taste, then some interest in the taste will come. Interest in the taste is not the taste. <laughs> but interest in the taste, some little liking, hmm, something like that, is a, is, is a small beginning. Hmm? And with that small beginning, then what do we do? Then we learn all about it. But then we use our intelligence to learn about, about Raga Bhakti, what it, is, what it means, what it doesn't mean, where I might be in my progress, and, and so on and so forth. And, uh, hmm? and we still are somewhat motivated in our practice by, I better do this because Guru Maharaj said so. Hmm? If I don't do this, then it'll be a problem. Hmm? So, uh, we have some slight 
mixture of Vaidhi Bhakti and Rag Bhakti with a view to attain more eligibility, more taste for Rag Bhakti. Hmm? Rupa Goswami, Jiva Goswami used the term Ajato Ruchi Raganuga Bhakti. Raganuga Bhakti without taste. We just said Raganuga Bhakti is all about taste. So, but what does it mean? It means, what can you do? You got attracted to it through some sadhu. Hmm? So you want it. You have no qualification. Don't even have that much taste for it, but you don't have a taste for something else. This has become your ideal. Hmm? You don't want to go to Baikuntha, live on the same planet with Narayan, get four arms. Hmm? Hmm? When I was young, I told the story before, when I was very young, 22, in Los Angeles at Prabhupada's temple in New Dwarka, one devotee, an older devotee, said to me, you know, most of the devotees don't go to Goloka Vrindavan, they go to Vaikuntha. And I said, no, I can't. I went away and I cried. And I went before the deities and I said, that can't be true. Don't let that happen. <laughs> Later I found out he was wrong. But <laughs> so, so, our ideal, something like that, it's Krishna. Therefore, Prabhupada gave the Krishna book first. And you like Krishna. You didn't say first, first let me teach you about Narayan and Vaikuntha. What's to teach anyway about him? What kind of leela does he have? What leelas do you know of Narayan? Well, you know his avatar, his braha, this and that. He has something, but hmm. Krishna leela is so rich, so full. Hmm. This is, has a capacity to captivate the heart, the human heart. So, anyway, we have some attraction for it, little. So that means we are beginning rag bhakti. We do the vaidhi bhakti here, chanting and so forth, and associate and learn about what is the path. Learn about it. Hmm understand the tattva that underlies it and so forth. Hmm? Gradually, more eligibility will, be, will come and it will be easy. Hmm? So, it's not easy to get eligibility because you have to meet souls that are rare in the world. Hmm? Carrying this. Most people are carrying, if, it ain't, if anything, with regard to bhakti, they're carrying vaidhi bhakti. That's what the world's for. It was created for that purpose, right? To give sarupya, salokya, sarsti. Hmm? What Mahabharata was doing is something like changing the course. It's, it's, it's very extraordinary. So it's rare to meet such a person in that parampara, to get that connection, get some liking for that. Some, some. But from there, your progress will be, will be, will be quick. Hmm? Will be quick. Because uh, I had that to go to Vaikuntha, it can be accomplished in one life, but to perfect one's particular relationship with Krishna on this Raga path, it requires some few or more lives. In order to experience, in order to experience the rasa, hmm? then, hmm? yeah.
Oczywiście staraga, żeby udoskonalić swój poszczególny związek z Krishną, wymaga więcej życia. In order to experience rasa, which is the, the culmination of bhava, the churning of bhava, hmm, Rupa Goswami teaches in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu that this rasa is so intense, emotionally intense experience, that it requires, generally speaking, attaining bhava in one life and then taking birth in bhava in another life and cultivating it again in that life. This is not a rule, but it's a principle that to attain rasa, the churning of this, intensification of this bhava, it's a considerable task. So he explains like this. Generally, bhava from a previous life and bhava in this life that together will turn into rasa or prem. Hmm? Now, if your ideal is the Braj Lila, then and not by Kuntha, then after you attain prem, then you will have to take birth again in in Krishna Lila. If you go to Vaikuntha, you don't have to take birth in Krishna Lila. Now that you'll be you'll go to the planet of God. Hmm? So that may seem like a shortcut. Hmm? You go two lives, then you, however many lives it takes you to get bhava, then in a couple lives, then you go to Vaikuntha. However many lives it takes you to get the bhava for, for Golok, two lives, then you have to take a third life. You have to take birth in Krishna Leela. <laughs> that's that's not hardly a bad thing. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that's worth uh, worth another birth, <laughs> something like that. Uh, so, but you know, you give yourself sincerely, and then you'll make progress. And the real point is in this: not how long will it take me to attain bhava <laughs> and to go to the Godhead? How long will it take? I'll decide whether I want Raganuga Bhakti or I'll take. Uh, Vaidhi Bhakti, or maybe it'll just take too long. I'll go. I'll become a Buddhist instead, something like that. Go to Nirvana. No, uh, you. The, 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 the thing to think is that the way to think is like this: that that um, when um, when will I stop wondering when I will go back to Godhead and just do bhakti, which is right here, right now, and which is what the whole Godhead is about? Hmm? When will I attain ruchi and say like Mahaprabhu, Mama Janmani Janmanishvare, Bhavatad Bhakti Arahaitakiti, when it doesn't matter to you anymore? Hmm? Hmm. That's within sadhana bhakti in the stage of ruchi. Hmm. Then you you're surely going back to Godhead, <laughs> something like that. Hmm. So, uh, 
we had to follow that example of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But before we get a taste, then we're thinking, what's the time? Yes. Uh, I, I thought, uh, could it be complex somehow that, like in poetry, you spoke about maps, yeah? There is maps behind the poetry, like not everybody needs to know the maps uh, technically in order to uh, to feel the maps. And uh, so psychomanapti uh, uh, can be like like this maps, and some people don't abide about it. And, uh, uh, and uh, the other uh, expression can be like most companions and they more fit for others for some reasons. What are the reasons behind why why some people they can directly uh, feel it? Sorry, Sandra. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, yes, sir. but, but uh, uh, actually, I thought of uh, another question um, connected to uh, a bit. Is uh, our swaru an expression uh, of love, a kind of uh, artistic expression of love to Krishna? Because uh, uh, like, uh, very often we describe uh, 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 the philosophy behind rasa yeah, uh, in uh, theatrical terms. Is it like the form that we take to express our feelings with? Yeah, well, Prem is a has a love has a shape, as I said. Love has a shape, so. So this is the shape. That's like we look for it to express the love that is intrinsic, that is inside already, and so we look for it and we find it finally. Uh huh. Just like finding the words to express the feelings. But the words got in the way. You know the song? I tried to say I love you, but the words got in the way. Mm. Well, uh, um, the the form, the the rup, the swarup, the spiritual body, hmm, as I said, is corresponds with the love that the devotee develops through sadhu sangha and the and the practice that comes from sadhusanga. The practice makes perfect. So you associate with perfect devotees, you practice what they do, hmm? and then you, you develop what they have. Hmm? And so in order for that to be fully expressed, we worship a particular form of Bhagavan, like Radha and Krishna, and a function of priti of prem is is this relationship that it creates and 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 a, and a form for it to be expressed in. So, so that said, what what type of bhava we will attain depends on our association. We're Gaudiya Vaishnavas, so you know. The, the Sakya Rasa or the Madhurya Rasa is there in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So according to the influence, we will attain. Um, but each gopi, each manjari of Radha, each friend of Krishna is also different, unique. Some cowards like bananas, some of them like coconuts. Hmm? 
So, this is very interesting because while the bhava comes to us hmm, in the form of bhakti sangskars, and then we practice and it, and it develops and so forth, we also have our will. So, our practice is our will, we're expressing our will. So, in the context of that, that practice, in advanced stages, the, the particulars of one's swarup as a particular handmaiden of Rod, as a particular friend of Krishna, they have something to do with our will in relation to the bhava influence. The bhava influence generally is, say, Madhurya bhava, Sakya bhava. Hmm? And so now the will of the jiva is in relation to this spiritual environment and just like we make choices in relation to the material environment, there are choices in relation to the spiritual environment. They're all for the pleasure of Krishna. They're being chosen out of a pure heart that only wants the pleasure of Krishna, which is generically what bhakti is about, only for the pleasure of Krishna. Hmm? But the, 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 the coward boys are not like automatons or something like that. They're real people, kind of, theatrical people. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and so, in the higher stage of sadhana, you're actually kind of also kind of co-creating your your swarup, as far as your your will in relation to the bhava is is um, a factor, hmm? and so you become a particular friend of Krishna with particulars. And does that help you at all? And it's not exactly what you're asking about. But And some people uh, are, you asked about, some people are more naturally attracted to the feeling than the philosophy, something like that. And that may depend on their association and previous lifetimes. And, uh, Yeah. And the expression uh, is actually uh, uh, takes the form of a particular yeah. uh, body. That was my yeah, yes, yeah. question. Yeah. Yeah. So but it's, it's expressed, but it's, it's not our material artistic abilities or so forth, but it's it's the pure heart of bhakti and it has nothing to do with our material samskaras and so forth. But. So we are all artists. You see, we are all lovers in potential. This is, is the point. But you do, you do, you do have to go to art school. You do have to learn a little bit of, of, of math. Now, if you don't have to go to art school, it's because previous lifetime you went to art school. <laughs> yeah. 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 And if you if you press on them, they probably know the math too. Just like you see the coward boys in Vrindavan, they don't seem to know any math, right? They just love Krishna, right? Gopis, they don't. They they, they if some sage comes to speak the Upanishads or something, they all come and polite, but they fall asleep during the class. Hmm? or their minds are somewhere else on Krishna, right? So it appears that they don't know the math. That's the appearance. 
But we see instances in the Leela where it shows actually they know the math. Just like the cowherd boys, they went with Krishna just to the outskirts of Braj one day, near the where the Braj turns, Vrindavan uh, forest, pastoral area turns into the Mathura district, city of Mathura. And there were some Brahmins there performing yagyas. And the cowherd boys were far from home and they were hungry. It's typical of young boys being hungry after playing. So they were hungry. They wanted to eat. And so they were aware that there was a yagya going on and there were, there's, where there's a sacrifice, there's food. Right? So the cowherd boys asked Krishna and Balaram, the coward boys were hungry. They asked Krishna and Balaram, if you go, maybe you can get some food out of those guys. Hmm? You have to understand, the hunger of the coward boys is the pleasure of Krishna. Hmm? It's really incredible. They, they seem to have just their own interest, but it's really the pleasure of Krishna. Krishna is, is not independent of his devotees. Their feelings are his own way of expressing his own desires, so to speak, from the from the from the obeyed, non-different perspective. All the devotees are just vehicles through which Krishna is expressing his different desires, and they're unlimited. Hmm? From the from the from the obeyed perspective, difference. Each coward boy and girl have their own separate desires, and they're all pleasing to Krishna. Hmm? In other words. Madhurya Ras Gopi Bhav is entirely pleasing to Krishna. Everything about it, every desire that every gopi has is, is entirely for the pleasure of Krishna. Hmm. So, they want to eat. Hmm. They, they say, look, they might listen to you too, Krishna and Balaram, go ask the Brahmins, you know the story, for some, some food. So they went there and they asked, and these Brahmins said, what, you know, are you doing here, coward boys coming in the middle of the yagya and asking for, for food? You know, this is meant for God and we're doing a, you know, this ceremony like this. Get out of here. But if you study it carefully, you see they knew exactly when to ask in terms of the yagya and the procedure, which was the right time at which the Brahmins could have given food to somebody. So, you see, they knew the math. Hmm? Spontaneously, they knew the math. <laughs> In other words, that, that's what it means to be shastravit. That's what it means to be to to engage in to shastra nipun. Hmm? That they can answer the question, hmm? uh, it, it, not just by citing a verse, by some memory or something like that, but with feeling. Vaishnavism is like a feeling. You have to be fluent in it. It's a language. It's a culture. Hmm? So they are fluent in it. They know the, they know the math, but it, it, it's not something that comes up very often. <laughs> but sometimes it does. So, of course, then, you know, you know the story. They left and they told Krishna Balaram. Krishna Balaram said, ask their wives. And the wives brought food and so forth. And they were better devotees. But anyway, they knew the math. Exactly. Exactly. Shidamarsh... Pujapachitamarsh used to give the example that the United States is the most powerful in military industrial complex. And at the same time, if you go to the United States, you never see cannons, rockets, machine guns, 
anything like that. It's all hidden away in some mountain or somewhere. And so the power of this is all suppressed so that there can be freedom of commerce and people can be at ease and so forth. Because if you, everywhere you go, there are machine guns and you feel like a little bit... Uh, your peace may be compromised just by the presence of a of a of a um, weaponry. Hmm? So it's all kept underground, but it's there. It's underground, but it's there. And if someone should attack the nation, then it all comes out. Hmm? So Goloka Vrindavan is like that. All the math, all the power of knowledge of the shastras, all in the ground. It's all underground, something like that. There's no need for it. It would get in the way if it was to come out. Hmm? Knowledge that Krishna is God, it would get in the way. So that's all kept down. But when the young girls from that place come here, where there's ignorance, then we show, we see that those young girls, Rupa Manjari, coming here as Rupa Goswami, he knows the math really well. Hmm? He knows that he has oh, so much nana, shastra, vichara, naikana, puno, saddharma, samstapako, lokanam, hitakarano, hitakarano, tribhuvane, manyo, sharanyakaro. Hmm? These Goswamis, they're just girls, village girls. See how much knowledge they have. When it's needed, they have it at their, uh, at their beck and call. And so they wrote so many books, nana, for the benefit, out of compassion for the people. Hmm? They took all the, from all the sacred texts and showed it's only speaking about bhakti, bhakti, bhakti. Hmm? And the highest ideal of bhakti is braj bhakti. And what all these sacred texts are all talking about directly and indirectly is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? They located him on the map of the Shastra, his ecstasy. And they said, this is the Mahabhav of Radha. And this is where it all culminates in. Hmm? This is where it goes. From Dharma Jignasu, inquiry about religion, to Brahma Jignasu, inquiry about Brahman, to Rasa Jignasu, inquiry about Rasa. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu made that inquiry of Ramananda Roy until Ramananda Roy said, I cannot say any more and support it from the scripture, but I have some feeling. Mahaprabhu said, say it. And he made his poem. Hmm? That poem is about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? That is the highest, where all the Shastras pointing to. Shruti-bhya-bhya-bhya-gyam. Uddhava said, this place is beyond the Shruti, beyond the Upanishad. Vrindavan, what is going on here? The gopis love, this is so extraordinary. So, all right, we stop there. Sri Gauri Vaishnav Guru Parampara ki jai, Gaur Nitananda ki jai, Radha Govinda ki jai, Dauji Gopal ki jai, Gaur Bhakti Vrinda ki jai, Vaishnav Vrinda ki jai, Gaur Premanandi.